0: Welcome to another edition of the One Step Better podcast. I'm Mike Schaefer and with me as always is Matt Patrick and we have a special guest today. Uh, Joining us from Duncan Williams Asset Management here in the Memphis area is David Scully. David is the president and chief investment officer of Duncan Williams Asset Management. He's been with that team since they've been around and uh, even really with Duncan Williams Inc uh, before that. So David, really appreciate you joining us this afternoon. Uh, Really looking forward to having a conversation with you.
1: Yeah, thanks, Mike. I'm happy to be here. Uh, Matt, thank you both for having me on.
0: Absolutely, David. Give us a rundown of of what you do. You know, we can always talk about titles: president, chief investment officer, head honcho, whatever you want to call yourself. Give me an idea of what you what your kind of week normal week looks like.
1: Sure. Um, you guys got a, got a pretty good feel because of your roles in your in your company. Uh, but as president, um, I, I wear a bunch of different right and on a, on a maybe not daily basis but sort of on a weekly basis do a little bit of compliance and a little bit of marketing uh, a little bit of the the CFO type work uh, I remain the, the chair of our investment committee and so you know we're, we're not a, a huge company so I, I touch just about every part of it sort of on a weekly basis but what I found now or currently right is that I spend whatever extra time right, to the extent that anybody has extra time on the things that i I believe our greatest needs, and for us to go from where we are now to where we expect to be in the next couple, several years, um, a lot of it is, is uh, increasing revenue. And so, I spend a significant portion of my time being involved in the sales process to, to help us identify and potentially bring in um, new clients.
0: Out of all the things that you get to do on a daily basis, what's your what's your favorite to focus on?
1: Yeah, it's actually it's funny because um, you know my background is as an investment analyst. Right? Originally, uh, before I was even at Duncan Williams, uh, studied for the the CFA designation and made kind of this career, you know, 12, 15 years doing mutual fund and separate kind of research. Uh, but I, I found since Duncan asked me to sit in the the bigger chair, that uh, I actually enjoy the human interaction a lot more, and uh, and it's good because I'm spending my extra time uh, interacting with people and the sales stuff. But I, I find that that's the really it's the the most spontaneous rewarding part of my job these days.
0: So, you've been with the Duncan Williams group now for uh, for about nine years, almost nine years. I think you said tomorrow is that nine year, year mark. Uh, walk me through how you got connected with that group and how, like, what turned into coming up with Duncan Williams asset management, what that spinoff looked like. Sure. Um, so,
1: I'll try to keep the story long because I, I mean, keep it not long because it could be a long one. <laughs> Um So you know, rewind, I guess about 11 years ago uh, and I was engaged and my wife and I, my current wife, wife same same woman. Um, we moved to Atlanta to stay. I, we both had, had worked with Morgan Keegan. I took a job with a division of Morgan Keegan in Atlanta, and we moved there. So we spent a year there. We we're engaged. We got married in Memphis, but while we lived in Atlanta, then we lived in Atlanta for another year. So we spent two years in Atlanta, but but about that time, nine years ago, uh, we both thought we might like to grow our family and her parents were in Memphis and my parents were in Memphis, and the grandparents down the road instead of hundreds of miles away appealed to us. And so we started trying to figure out how to get back. And so at the time, um, in Memphis, uh, Morgan Keegan was uh, was for sale, right? It was you know widely known. There were different rumors about who it was going to be. We didn't we didn't know at the time it was going to be Raymond James, but uh, Duncan and his team of advisors thought that, that was going to create a void in Memphis for a full service investment advisory firm. And why couldn't that be us? In fact, that should be us. And so, uh, coinciding with that timing, they took what was Duncan Williams Inc. just a broker dealer, and they added. The RIA the, the registered investment advisor to it, became a duly registered firm and started the private client group and so in building out that private client group it was, it was you know a couple of times in my career, right place right time you rather be lucky than good um they brought me on uh to help build that out which was a great opportunity for me because instead of inheriting um a, a list of mutual funds that have been built over a couple of decades or uh, allocation models that had you know a 10-year track record that that I didn't really have any fingerprints on. It was something we had to build from scratch. And so it was a really exciting time. Um, we, we brought on a bunch of really good people. Uh, but the plan was always, what's this division, this private client who got strong enough to stand on its own, we're going to spin it. And so in April of, of 2015, April 1st, right? So tomorrow is going to be our, our six-year anniversary. Um... They decided to spin us out, and, uh, and we became our own. Basically, we tore the duly registered firm apart. We took the RIA and, and made that Duncan Williams Asset Management, we left the broker-dealer, and that remained uh, Duncan Williams.
0: A. Very good. That was six years ago. So over sure. this past six years, you've been responsible for building this thing. Um, what are some of the, the highlights and lowlights of the past six years to get you to the day?
1: Yeah, so um so it's it's been uh we we laugh about it now some because we feel like over the past year and a half, maybe two years, we've really hit this critical mass where we've got a what is now undeniably a successful company, which we always thought it was gonna be, but you know, you guys know because you started of- the, the first several years, that's the, I mean, it's always hard work, but that's extra hard work. And so, you know, when we first spun out, we had just enough in assets so we had to, we could register with the SEC instead of the individual stage. You got to have this $100 million threshold, which, which really is a very big RIA in the grand scheme of things. And so, you know, how we grew that and, you know, what our average client looked like when we first started, we just barely kind of had a foothold in the retirement plan space and to where we are now and, and some of the um, some of the wins we've had along the ways the, the ways that we've been able to uh, add and, and build our team in a way that uh, really suits us well and um, just just seeing it grow I mean in particular right so we've got a document that we've got to file with the SEC every year and and this document uh, we report a, bunch, a whole bunch of information about the company uh, but one of the key pieces is what do you advise in assets and so you know, usually this document gets, um, you start working on in January, you file it around this time each year. And so uh, when we were in 2019, putting our end of the year 2018 numbers in there, we were at like 185 million dollars in assets. And so, you know, that, that going from 100 to 185 took you know, three years and it's been a grind. Well, well, all of a sudden we, we just caught this accelerant. So a year later, and when we're filing in 2020, uh, we were at 312, 315 million. And so then we, we go through the coronavirus year, uh, but we had a couple really nice things happen during the year and some, some hard work and some long sales cycles that finally paid off. And so we just filed the ADV for this year, uh, maybe a week or two ago, at uh, 635 million. And so we're seeing kind of starting to see this exponential growth. And, you know, in a year that was really tough for a lot of people from a business standpoint, you know, essentially any way you can measure it for us, we're setting new records for-
2: you up for 4X in-
1: and, and, and that type
2: of stuff. You're up 4X in two years. That's awesome. Yeah, no, it's, it's been- uh, it's During been, a pandemic, which is awesome.
1: Right.
0: <laughs> you got it's that great. Of, It's churning, man. That's 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 really good to hear. It's always here, to, uh, good to hear stories of, of, of businesses, you know, especially in all the difficulties that we're facing right now, um, you know, succeeding. So yep. that's that's really exciting. Yeah. Um, I know that you spend time, like you mentioned earlier, uh, going and talking to prospects. You know, whether it's uh, individual people or, or business owners or leaders, whoever it may be. As you're out there talking to people about um, retirement plan administration or investing in general, whatever it may be, what are some of the things that you're um, you're having to overcome and, and get that that prospect to understand about what services that you guys provide and the value that you're bringing to the table versus you know, they, they could do something on their own or with maybe uh, one of your competitors.
1: Yep. So there's um, several different ways to answer a question like this. I, I will tell you that most of the decision making, really, whether whether we're talking about an individual or the board for a nonprofit organization or, you know, a group of decision makers for, uh, for a small or mid-sized business, almost always comes down to relationship, right? And so, you know, we, we find often uh, part of our process is we'll ask someone or uh, an organization if we can do an analysis on how they're currently invested and compare that with maybe their investment policy statement if they have one how they think that how they how they're supposed to be invested and so when we go through this you know very simplistically right it's a complex process but on, on, a, on a simple level what we hope to do is come back with suggestions and say look if you'll do these things um, it's going to save you money right you're we're gonna reduce your total fees. We're also gonna improve the historical performance and what we think going forward of the investments themselves, right? We've got CFA, CFP designation holders. we do the really in-depth research, or not just research, investment research. Um, second, we're gonna reduce the risk. And on a retirement plan, maybe that's being uh, you know, taken on more of the fiduciary responsibility to the company. We're gonna reduce the risk, and then finally, we're gonna increase the service, right? And so we can, we can quantify all of these and say, here's the differences, here's why we think you should do it. And, and when we have that second meeting to present our analysis, it usually goes one of two ways. They either say, this sounds great, let's do it. Or, thank you guys so much, like obviously you're confident, and you've done hard work here, and that's much appreciated, but our existing relationship is so strong that we couldn't possibly disrupt that at this point. But when the time comes, you guys will be among our first calls, which is fine with us because, um, you know, it doesn't come across a podcast but, um, you know, I'm, I'm 38 and I'm the second oldest person that works here. Right? We've got an average age that's low 30s and um, and we're, we're, we're in a position where it's very easy for us to be patient with, um, you know, if now wasn't the right time in three years or five years down the road is, well, well, that's fine. We're not retiring in three or five years. We'll be right in the middle of the prime of our careers. So we've got this sweet spot where we've uh, we've all been working together for about ten years. Uh, we've got this average age that's kind of low, but this average experience that's you know double digits, right? I've you know, I've been working in the industry for um, for coming up on seventeen years, um, and so it's a nice combination of uh, you know you're, you're not too close to retirement, but you've got enough experience for this isn't something you started doing yesterday. Yeah.
0: Okay. How many people are on your team? So um, it's like it looks different
1: depending on your perspective. Now we've got, uh, to, as a straightforward answer, we've got nine full-time employees, but um, we've got actually closer to fifteen team members, and, and so we have a, a, a unique structure. Well, maybe it's not unique, totally, but we've got a, a structure that's not super common, and that we uh, we have a services agreement with Duncan Williams, right? So this is something that we put in place when we first spun out six years ago, where uh, essentially, you know, for a small, what we consider ourselves to be a startup company, um, it didn't make sense for us to have our own chief compliance officer, and marketing director, an IT director, a CFO, and a general counsel, right? We, we're not a big enough company to have um, those types of positions that would you know typically command a higher compensation on the size of the work. Uh, but Duncan Williams, Inc. is. And so um, what we did is we, we agreed to where we were going to essentially rent time from some of their employees. This is what we've been doing for the past six years. Um, that's probably something that's changing in the not too distant future. But as it stands right now today, nine full-time W-2 employees and then these other um, five individuals that to perform services for our company and for our clients, but are, are technically uh, not, not employed at the firm. And then, uh, of course, uh, Duncan would be our 16th.
0: Yeah.
1: Our board chair, another way. we will count him among our, our team for sure.
2: Yeah, we don't want to sign some, some of the checks.
0: That's right. <laughs> that's, right. Yeah, that's a really smart way to grow, though, because you you recognize that you have these need for these different positions, but at the same time, you also know that you don't have the, the cash flow to, you know, put those in an FTE. You know, right now, so it was a really that's a really smart way to handle that. Whenever you do have those resources at, I'll say, the parent level, uh, to be able to swoop in and 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 kind of fill those gaps.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, we're we're really fortunate to um to be in a position where that was an option for us. Um, and, and it's, it doesn't have to be an either or. or. It's not have a full time chief compliance officer or rent time for a compliance officer at you know the the firm you spun out of. There are third-party, you know, outsourced stuff, uh, but um, for us, you know, we had worked together with the folks at Duncan Williams A for, in my case, three years. For some of these folks, five, seven years. Um, they knew who we are, what we were doing, and what our brand was, and what our, you know, what our personalities are. And so it was a very easy, uh, relatively seamless fit for us to go that direction. Okay.
2: Yeah, that's. I would think that makes a lot of sense for sure. So.
0: How many times, whenever you know you're out in public and people hear, "All right, David's here. David's a finance guy." How many times did you get the question, "All right, what's the hot stock tick dip of the day?" You know, tell me where to put my money. How many times did you get that question?
1: Oh, you know, it used to be all the time. Right, with coronavirus, we hadn't been out and you know, the, the social settings quite as often. Um, it, you know, it's it's uh, it's funny. The question rotates. And so we've started talking about, we're going to maybe start doing some, we haven't done it yet. You guys do a better job than we do on this. But on social media, start. we might start recording kind of these like two minute videos. And, you know, if we rewind over the past month, we might say, okay, um, we're going to do a two minute video on GameStop, right? Yeah. We, we got the GameStop question a million times. And then we'll do another video on um, Bitcoin. Um, you
2: know, I've both of those things recently. We get those questions a lot, <laughs> you know?
1: Uh, it, it, we try to anticipate some stuff, but you know, we, like we get together, we meet as a team, and you know, we find that people are getting the same questions uh, pretty frequently. I'll tell you, what what I get seemingly um, just as often. You guys know, but um, you know, our mission statement at, at Duncan Management is serve our clients, improve our community and that improve the community piece So some we feel like we you know, sets, sets us apart the Williams family's been invested in the community they want to hire people that also feel called to serve civically um you know we do service projects whatever and so but but me personally I serve on a, a couple of different boards and um you know anytime you serve on a board and you guys get this too Can help you us help
2: raise them, some money that, well, yeah raise
1: money but also um you know, the, the nonprofits think if you are anything to do with money, you should be our treasurer and sheriff.
2: <laughs> Correct. It, no, if you're it, an accountant, it's almost a guarantee that oh, you might as well right. just put yourself on the as a treasurer.
1: Well, it's the worst. Me, well, role. They,
2: the, it's the worst.
1: Well, they make no, the, there's no difference in their mind. between ATM repairman and hedge fund manager. You deal right. with money, you are going to be our, uh, right. like like, I'll do it, but I, I want to be clear. I have an economics degree in the School of Arts and Science. I didn't even have to take undergrad accounting. You are not <laughs> getting a good accountant as your treasurer.
0: Yeah.
1: Well, as the
2: accountant, the last thing I want to do when I join a board, there's two things. I don't want to raise money, and I don't want to be the accountant at the board. I just that's want to, right. you know, I want to serve. I, I don't mind, you know, if it's at a – I've been a member of a couple different ones, and it's always like, yeah, I just I just want to show up to the events and help you guys. You know, if you need a extra set of hands or a guy to move stuff, that's what I want to do. I, I don't want to raise funds, and I don't want to do your monthly financial statement. I don't want to do that at all.
1: No, so. you no. Know, now, for me, it's funny. I, um, my my dad is a professional fundraiser, and oh. so <laughs> you know, well, so he um, you know, he started at Grace St. Luke's, and he got in the advancement office there and helped them raise some money at the school, and then he ended up at uh, Christian Brothers University, and was the uh, uh, vice president of institutional advancement, which was just. And fundraiser, <laughs> and then about 17 years ago, we started working for a company called Compass Group, and what they do is uh, help nonprofits, usually with their capital campaigns, but help teach nonprofits how to raise money. And so, I grew up. You know, we're at the dinner table, we're talking about feasibility studies, yeah. like different tactics and strategies on raising money. And so, between that and then my job being to talk to people about the money, I'm very comfortable with it. So literally. Every board I've ever served on, I have chaired the development. But but I like it, so it's you
2: know it's yeah. It's what its I'm going to count it. I want to be introverted. I don't want to be the one that has to call about raising money. So I'm glad there's people out there like to do that. Um, you know, I I'm always interested in in the story. So obviously, first of all, let's you know, who's your ideal fit? Like what if you're looking for like you know if you're saying this is my ideal fit customer, what is that really looking for for you guys?
1: Sure. So um we have really three types of clients that we work with. And, and for us, the first that's uh, the bulk of our business by number of accounts and by revenue is the individual. And so, you know, when we first spun out, we were smaller. Um, this this relationship was a little bit smaller. As we've gotten bigger, we've, we've kind of moved up mark, And that's consistent across all three of these client types. But still, the the average client for us on the individual side really kind of looks like the Dave Ramsey Hilario in the store. Usually it's a married couple. They've been saving for, you know, maybe 25, 30 years. They've got three accounts. It's his IRA and her IRA and the joint account. And you add it all up and it's, you know, about 850000 know, dollars kind of on average. Uh, we have been moving up a little bit there in, in kind of market size. And so um, you know, we're, we're starting to get a handful of these uh, kind of outsourced family offices. Uh, you know, a, a group of related people that have kind of 20 million dollars. But uh, the bulk of what we do is still kind of this. You know, almost millionaire that's been saving for a while. That's on the individual side. On um, on the retirement plans. You know, we we this is actually the bulk of our business. If you're going just by assets, it's a smaller margin, so it's not uh, as you know, to us, not as profitable as working with individuals, just because the way you charge fees on these things. But um, you know, uh, towards the end of last year, we crossed over to the 100 plan mark. We're working with uh, about 105 local companies and organizations on the retirement plans, whether it's 401k, 403b, 457, 401a. Simple, so, so, right? If your employer uh, has a plan and it helps employees save money for the retirement, we'll give advice on that. Again, been moving up market. When we first spun out, we had you know maybe four or five plans. Um, it was about four percent of our total business. Today, it's about 35%, 36 percent of our total revenue. Makes up almost two-thirds of our assets. We've got about four hundred million dollars in, in retirement plan assets. And so again, moving up market there. Right. Uh, I want to be clear that we have no minimum account size. Um, when we spun out of Duncan Williams Inc., we, we made the very Conscious and intentional decision. Then we want to be the the registered investment advisor for the city of Memphis, not for the city of Memphis uh, wealthy elite. And so we have a lot of people that have an account with eight thousand dollars in it or twelve thousand dollars. We we work with um, nonprofit organizations when they uh, get their first donation to establish um, an operating reserve or an endowment. We, we work with companies on startup plans. Now, yes, about our, our ideal client. We're finding there's really a sweet spot in the retirement plan space around kind of between 10 and 20 million dollars. There are plans that, that are big enough to where they uh, they usually have a lot of employees, they need a lot, but they're coming from a place where they usually haven't been serviced that well. Um, the the Memphis market in our space is, uh, is competitive, but we've got we've got a a pretty serious edge on a lot of folks that, that try to do the retirement plan business in town. And so those kind of mid-sized retirement plans is a place where we've really done well, and then um, last ones the uh, nonprofit organizations, endowments, foundations, and and uh, again moving on market here where you know our, our sweet spot's probably you know, between five and fifteen on um, on endowment money.
2: Um, all, those all you know, those all come from probably different channels of your marketing efforts
1: so
2: yeah and so um that's where i'm this is my i'm putting my business owner hat on here just understanding you guys have done a wonderful job of really getting plugged into the community and staying plugged in and you're always at you know every every both charitable event but also every other employer focused event kind of how do you split your time up and how do you decide what you want to be active with
1: sure so um so uh first we are very intentional about strategic partnerships and you you can kind of you can just you can split that up to a couple different things but um you know let's take uh retirement plan business usually at a smaller mid-size even a larger company we start you know we've got our biggest plans got north of 100 million dollars in it um The decision-maker is usually a, a CFO, maybe an HR director, maybe it's the owner, maybe it's the CEO. But the person that makes decisions about your retirement plan is usually, not always, but usually is the same person that makes a decision about your health insurance. And it's the same person that makes a decision about who's going to do the audit. And it's the same person that makes a decision about who are we going to hire from outside counsel if something goes wrong with benefits or whatever? And so we've been very intentional in, in uh, developing and maintaining relationships with um, accounting firms and with insurance firms and with, you know, in our case, uh, third party administrators, TPAs, with uh, record keepers, with uh, ERISA attorneys. And so, you know, when I say being intentional about these strategic partnerships, a lot of folks, um, can identify what I just identified. That's easy. Right? It's uh, you know, hey, you've got clients that you can introduce me to. I've got clients you can introduce me to. We should do that. Does that sound good? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. But then there's no the follow through. Like it doesn't happen the way that it's supposed to happen. And so uh, one of the things we do. No, that never
2: happens. I have no idea what you're talking about.
1: <laughs> uh, I, should, I should also mention uh, payroll providers. We got a yeah
2: relationship it, with know, Just saying. Oh.
1: <laughs> but um, but you know we try to uh, very intentionally um. Uh, have a coffee or a lunch or go grab a drink after work or whatever on a monthly basis, and we're very open. We say, here's here are the introductions that we can make, and help me understand how you strategic partner value clients. For us, um, maybe it's about the uh, the size, like very simplistically again, the size of the plan. Right, typically we'll we'll, we'll make more money on a fifteen million dollar plan than we will on five million dollar plan. Right. But for a TPA, it's about the the number of participants they don't care how many how much assets there are they'd rather have a plan with 200 participants than one with, with 20 regardless of the assets. Are. and so we help identify where the most valuable introductions are we make them and then there's a, a reciprocity and it's not it's not 30 at a time it's two at a time it's three at a time you make three introductions and then we'll get back together four weeks from now and check kind of compare notes on how they went and it's been something that since really has uh, worked well for us and so that's um that's helped that's you know the strategic partnerships that drive business. Now, on the nonprofit side, right? You know, you mentioned that, uh, you know, it seems like we're involved with a lot of the different uh, events that go on in town. And, and, and so there's there's a couple different layers to that as well, right? So I, I think I mentioned earlier our mission statement serve sort our of clients improve our community. That improve our community piece is something that comes from the Williams family. Uh, I've heard Duncan say uh, often, that he believes that the difference between good cities and great cities is a commitment to the arts, and so that his belief there is why you see us um, involved with Live at the Garden at the Memphis Botanical Gardens, the Indie Memphis Film Festival, you know, is establishing itself as a, a national presence, maybe even an international, internationally known festival. Um, the Germantown Performing Arts Center is, is bringing in uh, acts from all over the country, and really all over the world, that are. That are absolutely world class. So to be able to to be a part of bringing that type of stuff to Memphis and to the Mid South is something that's going to make our uh, city better. And so uh, it's easy for us to be involved in those types of things. Um, you know, when we're when we're trying to be true to our mission, improve our community. You know, we we on a quarterly basis we're doing service projects. We're at a Ave Maria home playing Jeopardy with seniors, and we paint the Christmas ornaments with. Um, the, the kids at Madonna Learning Center, we cleaning the vent hoods in the kitchen at the church health center, and planting trees at the shelter farms. Um, we do all those things. But the most efficient way for us to improve our community is to identify organizations that are already doing good work in our community and do the things that we can to help them achieve their mission either on a larger scale or, or more easily or efficiently.
2: That's awesome. I, I, I think, you know, I, lo- I love your marketing strategy. I mean, I think it is marketing, but also it's just doing the right things the right way. And it, it, it comes across that way. It doesn't come across as a sales pitch. It comes across as we want to be an active participant in the community. And it's just, you guys have done a great job at that. It's something we, I've noticed anyway, and they really are super active and 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 in the place they should be at, which I, which I really I like you know,
0: that. we talk a lot on uh, both our podcast and internally in our company about values really driving the bus. You have to have really clear, well-defined, you know, strongly communicated values that does come across clear. You mentioned your mission statement, serving your clients and improving your community. You guys from Microsoft, you guys live that out really well. Yeah, I agree. Um, the, the groups that you do choose to get involved in, the the stuff that you don't even market, but but is happening behind the scenes. Uh, it's really neat to see, uh, you know, as a lifelong nymphian, uh, any anybody that's willing to invest in the community, that's that's a great thing. And you guys do that really well. Thank you. Yep. Much appreciate I'll I'll be sure to pass that on to uh, Duncan and Gary
1: Lenderman as our director of marketing. Uh, yeah. But to, to tell the company's secret, uh, Duncan himself is a marketing major. So. <laughs>
2: that makes sense. Yeah, it is. Though. <laughs> yeah, it is. Um. So, you know, obviously we, you know, we we are both a, a customer and we are a um referral partner or a, a partner, a strategic partner. And then, you know, we have um a lot of mutual clients that we both serve. You know, I'll uh, I'll pat you guys on the back a little bit. What I like about it more than anything is you guys do a great job of staying connected with our team and making you taking great care of our customers, but also at the same time, um, you're introducing us to the right people. You don't just give us, you know, you know, not everybody has an is an ideal fit, and you know that, and we recognize that. And That makes it really easy for us to work together. Um, and you've done a great job of connecting with our team. So I just, you know, want to say thanks.
1: That's right. No, no, much appreciated uh, this side too. Um, you, know, one of the things that is most important to us when evaluating a, a, a potential strategic partner is the confidence that we have. And that partner organization to make us look good, right? If we send somebody over to a strategic partner and mess something up, that reflects poorly on us. And so I'm, I'm happy to, I'm sure you know from our relationship with some of some of your, some of the folks that report to you, you guys have always done a fabulous job with folks that we've been able to send over on the payroll side and the side and so on. It's much appreciated this yeah, way.
0: Happy to do it. That's uh, definitely mutually, uh, mutually uh, beneficial because, I know I, I, I deal with Patrick a good bit, uh, and anybody that I ever send, hey, you need to meet with Patrick. He's going to take great care of you over at Duncan Williams Asset Management, and um, he does. He stays on top of it. He responds well. He gets answers. Uh, really, really great to work with uh, that organization as a, as a whole.
2: It's all because so, of his leadership, I'm sure. Right. <laughs> we won't give Patrick a big
0: head. Everything rises and falls on leadership, right? That's right. That's what they say. All right, well, Falls so they, on leadership for sure. That's right. <laughs> it <laughs> kind of David's, rolls downhill, they say. I think, it's
2: the saying goes, but um, yeah, that's right. yeah, that's
0: that's right. Right. um. That's right. As you guys look out for you know five, ten years, especially coming out post COVID, or at least maybe getting close to post COVID, <laughs> uh, here in twenty twenty one, you know, where do you think where do you think the future is going to take you guys? Yeah.
1: So, um, short term goals. Um, I don't know this to be a fact. Right? I can't ever remember reading it anywhere but uh, at least urban legend in area Street uh was the, the the fastest firm in memphis history to get to a billion dollars in assets under advisement was one that did it in in 10 years and if we stay on our trajectory we should beat that like i said i don't know if that's true we might have just made that up to, to motivate ourselves but um <laughs> uh, in the short term we expect to cross over the billion dollar threshold and that would, would put us among the actually the larger of the investment advisory firms in Memphis. And so um, we're excited about that. Um, Looking out further, um, you know, we're still a pretty good way from saturating uh, the business in in Memphis. But at some point, it seems like we are likely to expand outside of just Memphis. Now, there's there's some natural geographies that will make sense for us. Uh, You know, Mississippi is an area, a state that that has a lot of familiarity with the Duncan Williams name. Duncan Williams Inc. for the past 20-plus you know, years has been the number one underwriter of municipal bonds in Mississippi. So if you are a uh, CFO of a municipality or a hospital administrator, you've probably already heard of Duncan Williams. And so, you know, whether we open an office in Oxford or Tupelo or Jackson, uh, somewhere like that maybe uh, makes sense. Uh, we also would look at some point at Alabama uh Duncan's uh a graduate of Alabama we've got a notable client base in Birmingham already um, sorry yeah, yeah I know it's been it's you're been Georgia tough guy. Guy. Don't, don't feel too bad for him yeah <laughs> um, you're a Georgia
2: guy so you couldn't you shouldn't be doing that but anyway
1: that's right uh we um all of a sudden we're picking up some business in Knoxville and so there's a there's a scenario where we hang shingle in Knoxville at some point uh, all of this is kind of the chicken or the egg Right, you know, take Knoxville for example. Do we wait until we've got enough business that justifies an office there, or do we say, "Well, look, if we open an office there, that would accelerate the the amount of business that's coming over." And so, yeah, you know, where's where's that kind of where, where's the tipping point on where we decide to go ahead and do it? Um, these things are, are probably not things that we're going to pursue in twenty twenty one. But 2022 is, is a maybe. And, and honestly, I think I might even be surprised if by 2023 or 2024, we didn't have a, at least a second office somewhere. Um, it's really important, I and mean, you guys will know too, that in opening additional offices or bringing people over um, to, to work in those offices, that we preserve our culture. And so it's hard to do to take, you know, maybe a team that's in Tupelo uh, that's been working for, you know, whoever, Merrill Lynch or something. So yeah. you know, we want to bring your team over to open the Dr. Williams office here. And, and they don't, they don't have any experience uh, working in our environment. Like how would we, how would we get the same culture there? So there's, there's some challenges to it, uh, to make sure that we do things the right way. Uh, but, but we've always thought that uh, that growth is not necessarily the goal, right? You know some people get in their head that a, a company with uh, 300 employees is better than a company with, It can be, uh, but we're not not looking to grow just for growth's sake. We want to do it very measured and intentionally and strategically. But I I think that, um, you know, if you're looking five years down the road, we probably have, uh, you know, certainly we hope to have crossed the billion-dollar threshold. uh, But then in addition to that, to maybe have, um, you know, a bigger team and some additional offices. You're
0: going to start dominating the SEC states. That's right. That's right. Make it a uh,
1: set it up really easy where I can just travel around and watch Georgia's need uh, oh,
2: to buy a bigger RV if that happens. Just, this is part of the requirements. That's right. Um, with the new administration comes some changes. What are you guys kind of on the outlook side of things looking like as far as market, but also just kind of regulatory compliance, any kind of changes that are happening there, that you, you
1: know? Yeah, I mean, some of it is still kind of wait and see. I mean, a lot of it got talked about a lot leading up to November. Um, and there was like kind of a high level feel that, you know, if, um, if Trump gets reelected, that's good for the economy. And if Biden gets elected, that's bad for the economy. Um, it, it's not It's not as clear cut. It's never as clear cut as that. Right. But uh, specifically with the Biden administration, some of the stuff they talked about leading up to the election and has continued to talk about, you know, I think, the infrastructure plan, uh got revealed recently or about two today um, you know it's, it's going to be an area where certain sectors and then those companies within those sectors are positioned to do well right if they have a robust infrastructure plan then that helps uh, industries like materials and maybe even energy um, there, there'll be some some uh, tailwinds for stuff like that now um, also there's the threat of additional regulation right and so you know if the previous administration had said you know, you, we're going to get kind of <laughs> lax on pollution and some of this stuff and they tighten those things up. Well, that, that will have, that'll create headwinds, not for everybody, but for some companies. And, and, you know, some of that regulation is talking about of the finance industry as well. Um, and so additional regulation, typically not great for business. Uh, if they if they pull back some of these tax cuts, um, that's typically not good for business, but, you know, Tax and spend, right? If they're going to pump off, you know, one point three trillion dollars from the economy, that's, I mean, that's good, right? So yeah. it's, it's um, there's more to it than just like, hey, things are bad. Go put your money under a mattress. Um, you just you more than ever, it feels like you want to be really intentional about the things that you're investing in, not, not just you know, dumping money in the stock market, but knowing what you own and why you own it.
2: The market's it. still just, you know, in theory. I mean, if you look over the last. 18 months even with you know the pandemic going on the markets just keeps going up and up and up
1: yeah yeah it's, it's leveled you know, out right. in the
2: last 90 days or so but for the most part i mean it's just been blowing and going
1: well i mean you know we uh <laughs> we charge our fees uh on a quarterly basis in advance <laughs> we keep a really good handle on how does you know here we are we will we'll submit billing tomorrow and so you know we have, we've got a pretty good feel in that the market's actually been up this quarter right so equities. There's um there's been a week here or there where it peeled off and got some headlines. But overall, you know, if you just threw your money in the SP 500 ninety days ago and you close your eyes, you're you're, you're open them today, and you're happy. Um so it's um, you know it, it's it's hard to give wholesale advice on that. You know, every situation is unique. Uh, oh, yeah. but typically right at a very high level if if your if your time horizon is distant right? If you're 10, 20 years out, right? If we're talking about, if you're, you know, if you're in your forties and we're talking about your retirement plan money, stay invested, right? You're not going to look back 20 years from now and say, man, if I just missed that dip in um, <laughs> June of, of 2021, like I'd really, I could have retired six years early. No, nah, you won't, right? Just stay the course. Now, as that time horizon gets closer, regardless of what you think might happen in the market between now and then, it's time to get more conservative right if, if you think you want to retire in two years well you can't have all your money on black right you, you gotta you need to um, have you know exposure to things that have less volatility and lower risk and, and have a portfolio to where if next year is the next 2008 you still can retire when you want to because you lose 40 percent of your money and so that's um, like I said, everything is very specific. People have different objectives. What requirements, you uh, Different feelings about risk and all that. But uh, but generally speaking, that's uh, that's what we're talking. You
2: know, and just in my my mind, with all the spending going on, I'm, I'm a little concerned about inflation long term. But we, I mean, we're at negative rates right now, or essentially negative rates. So it's kind of hard to know where things yeah. are going.
1: I mean, inflation could be an issue at some point. Feels like yeah, probably not this year. Probably not the next couple of years. Um. A lot of
2: money you know, floating in the, the market.
1: Yeah. Uh, you know, everybody would love to see, you know, 10-year municipal bond yielding 5%, but nobody wants to go through the pain to get there.
2: <laughs> That's a big um, gap between where they are now and that, so. Oh, uh, yeah, hey, no doubt.
1: Um, but it's funny, you know, like, if you go back years ago, decades ago, when, uh, when you had those type of yields, um, it was, like, it was still hard to sell those. Like, the people didn't just say, 5-, 5%, I'll lock that in for the rest of my life. Um, which is what you might say now <laughs> for that team, um, because there there will be other. Get, there will there's be still other a things gap between
2: that number and what they think they can get somewhere else. That's so.
1: right. That's right. That's right. So, um, so we'll see. I, you know, we, and the way that we're positioning portfolios with uh, in, inflation concerns or something we pay attention to, but it's not it's not only really the primary driver of how we're moving stuff around. It's fun.
0: Yeah. Well, and David, these are all the things that, uh, that are what you help people with every day, uh, conversations that you're always ready to have and eager to have and, uh, have with all your customers. And so if, if we have listeners out there that, uh, have listened to this and they're interested in hearing more from you, getting in touch, uh, how can we find you? Sure. Um, so we're, we're all over social media
1: and, uh, we've got a new website that I think might be rolling out tomorrow it's going to be very soon with the uh, with the with the anniversary coming up here um the websites www.dwassetmgmt.com which i know is kind of a mouthful um anybody that wants to can obviously email me directly uh the emails are, are simple it's just david at our website by right? dwassetmgmt.com um, we've we've got a Twitter handle and an Instagram account, Facebook account, LinkedIn, all that's pretty easy to find. it's probably easier just to, you know, throw Duncan Williams asset management in the in the search windows there. Um, and then if you wanted to call, it's uh 901 435
0: 4175. Excellent. Well, David, I really appreciate you taking the time uh, out of your day to, to join us. It's always fun to to catch up and Hear what's going on over at, at duncan williams asset management really appreciate you taking the time to, to talk with us today
1: awesome guys thanks for having me i really appreciate
0: it too absolutely if you guys are there gotcha. listening and uh, you have questions or want to get in touch with david he just gave you the contact details hit him up go try to crash their website uh is we got something new coming up so let's so let's go find all the bugs for them uh and, yeah. and, and help them out uh, but thank you guys for for joining us today whether it's on youtube or spotify pod, uh podcast uh, Google, Apple, wherever you listen to this podcast. We really appreciate you taking the time out of your day to listen. To Hope you have a great day and we'll talk to you again next week. Thanks. Bye.